Hey everyone, welcome back to The Way. So today we are starting season three of of The Way and I'm just so grateful that I get to speak to you about the goodness of God. So before I get into the word, I just want to open up uh, with prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity that you have given me to speak to your people that you speak through me, O Lord, and you touch their hearts and that you continue the work that you have started in them. Lord, I ask for spiritual discernment as I read your word with your people today, and I ask that you touch their hearts, that you soften their hearts, O God, open up their minds, O Lord, bring them revelation, bring them understanding so that they can get a better understanding of who you are, O Lord, and that they will come to love you more and more. Bless this episode. Bless everyone who is listening. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last week there was a a little intermission. There was no uh, new episode, but today, um, what God has put on my heart for this season is basically to do a study of uh, a book in the Bible, and... um, one of the books, well, I feel like I say this all the time, but this is one of my favorite books. Um, I've said that about Proverbs, and now I'm saying this about the book today, and it's uh, the book of James in the New Testament. So one of the reasons why I love James is because it's very practical information. You know, it's not anything where, you know, you feel like you have to buy a, a whole concordance of, you know, Strong's Concordance to figure out what it's saying. Um, but it's very basic and practical in how to live your life as a Christian and what it really means to have faith. And when I uh, was a child, of course, my parents, thank God, they were able to explain things to me in the Bible. They were able to um, help me to get a basic understanding. But when you get older, you know, it's important to build your own relationship with God because he gives you revelation specifically for who you are and the situations in your life and the people that you encounter and the circumstances that you are in. And that's one of the things that I learned um, through the book of James. So today we're just going to be going through chapter one. And so I'm going to just start reading it for you guys. And this is going to be James chapter one and the, um, the version of the Bible that I'm going to be reading to you today is actually the HCSB. All right. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, 
um, exaltation. But the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. A man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him, there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. By his own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth, so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to listen, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but one who does good works this person will be blessed in what he does if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue then his religion is useless and he deceives himself pure and undefiled religion before our god and father is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So that was the end of James chapter one. And I just want to get into like a little backstory about why I feel like God gave me um, this book specifically to go into with you guys. So um, my husband and I, we were actually talking the other day about the basics, right? Um, we have a couple of things that we are involved in. Um, I do calligraphy and my husband, he does graphic design. And uh, we were just talking about how like we've just felt the need to rush and do things more advanced than what we can actually do because we want to get clients. You know, we just want to show the world what we can do. But God has been bringing us back and reminding us like, hey, if you were to get a client, right, as a calligrapher and you decided to take on that something that you didn't know, something that you didn't even have the basics on and you messed it up, who's going to look bad? You are. Because you did not take the time to learn from the beginning basic strokes, um, basic ways to align, and even how to communicate with a client properly. And it's the same thing with the Word of God. It's important to know the basics because, I mean, if you don't know the basics and you try to dive into the deep stuff, what, what is it that you're really understanding? Are you learning to, are you trying to understand to become religious? Are you trying to understand in order to become, um, to take on like certain practices? 
Or are you really trying to understand who God is and what he's saying? And in the book of James, it's just, it's so much. I know it seemed long when I was reading it, but there are a lot of little basic things in there that we need to get into. And just because it's a basic principle or a basic concept does not mean that it's not deep. Sometimes the most basic and simple things are deep. So let's start by dissecting verse 1. Well, not verse 1. I actually want to go into verse 2. So it says, Consider a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Okay, first off, (laughs) I'm sure most of you, when you go through a trial, you don't consider it a great joy, right? You're kind of like, when is this going to be over? You know, I just want to get through this so I can get to the mountaintop as opposed to being in this valley. And for me personally, I've been praying for God to increase my faith, right? And it was one of those prayers where as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, oh God, why did I pray that? Like, I just felt like a shift, like, okay, you asked for it, you know? (laughs) And with increasing your faith, that means that your faith needs to be tested. So let's say I built a chair. I put this chair together. It looks good. I'm like, "Mm, that looks good. And I decide that I'm not going to sit on it. How, how am I testing that I actually did what was correct? Let's say that I want to build some muscle, right? I need to work out. And it's the same thing with faith. In order to increase your faith, your faith needs to be tested. And that means that you need to start practicing what you preach. When you are able to stay steady or to endure during that testing, that trial by fire, that produces endurance or steadfastness. So it's the same thing when you work out. When you work out, after a certain point, if you feel like you're reaching a plateau, you increase the amount of weight that you can carry. And so God, what he does is he starts to increase the amount that you can take in order to test that your faith is really in him and not in yourself. Not in the, not in the amount that you can carry at this point, with what you've already developed, but during that time of increase, it's about trusting in who he is and what he said, keeping that hope in him. And once he sees that you are actually putting your faith in him, that you have done the work in enduring those trials and lifting that weight, that is what produces that steadfastness or endurance. In verse, uh, it continues to say that, in verse 4, but endurance must do its complete work. So that means it needs to be fully developed. So don't rush the process. Whatever you're going through, don't rush the process. Don't pray for a way out, but ask God to give you grace, which is the unmerited kindness and favor of God, and also courage. And courage does not mean, you know, just doing things recklessly, but it means to do what you know needs to be done even if you're feeling fear at that time and once you are able to go through that and it has fully developed then you will get your blessing so the blessing in this situation when you go through that trials is is the increase in faith that you have gained but it also as it says The maturity, so it says, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. 
when you go through that trial and you're able to increase that weight, finally, you have matured and you have developed your faith and you are not handicapped anymore. That means that if you were to come against the same situation, maybe in a different you know, area, but basically the same kind of testing, you are able to do what you need to do through your faith in Jesus Christ. So let's move on to verse 5. It says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. So you may be asking yourself, why wisdom? Well, let's turn to Proverbs 3, verse, starting at verse 13. It says, Happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding, for she is more profitable than silver. She is wisdom, and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left, riches and glory. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths peaceful. She's a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who hold on to her are happy. The Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the watery depths broke open and the clouds dripped with dew. Maintain your competence and discretion. My son, don't lose sight of them. They will be life for you and adornment for your neck. Then you will go safely on your way. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will lie down and your sleep will be pleasant. Don't fear sudden danger. Or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from a snare. So I feel like in this book, James specifically says to ask God for wisdom because when you have wisdom, you have life. And the reason that you have life is because with wisdom comes understanding and insight. And when you have understanding and insight about a thing, or let's be more specific, understanding and insight about who God is and how he works and what he intends for you to do and how he, he expects for you to operate in life, you make better decisions. You, have be- you make better choices. You will not stumble because the wisdom that you're getting is not, a, is not a, an earthly wisdom. It is not human wisdom, but it is godly wisdom. And that wisdom transcends anything that anybody on earth would be able to develop themselves. The Bible says that God uses the foolish to confound the wise, basically the wise people who have earthly wisdom. And that's because the way he thinks may seem foolish to those who have earthly wisdom, but that's because they don't have a full understanding of who God is or how he works because his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They are so much higher that we as human, we either think it's foolish if you are in the world, or as a Christian, you have understand that God is so much more, and only he could be able to give you revelation of what he wants you to do and how he expects you to walk. So if you lack wisdom, yes, you can, it's, you know, it's great to seek earthly wisdom and find that, but if you want the best type of wisdom that will save your life, that will help guide you in walking not only as a follower of of Jesus Christ, but to help guide others, ask God, and he will give it to you without criticizing. Verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, and a decisive man is unstable in all his ways. So, 
the other day I was reading this, um, I guess it was an article or whatever, but (laughs) I was reading this article and it was talking about how like people, um, if you experience some type of trauma, um, what you start to develop is self-doubt. You don't trust yourself. So because of that, you are indecisive. Um, you may be self-sabotage by betraying yourself because you don't believe that you're going to make good and sound decisions. And so when God says not to doubt, he's basically saying that not to doubt him because you are not trying to trust yourself or have faith in yourself to make wise decisions. You are trying to have faith in God that he will answer you when you ask him for something such as wisdom. But if you have doubt, you're basically saying that, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust that you make good and sound decisions. I don't trust that what you're telling me is going to happen. And if that's the case, I mean, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's what it says. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways because you just keep moving back and forth. There is no there is no rock that you are standing on. You're standing on sand and then you jump up on a rock and then you come back. You're trying to decide if you want to trust God or yourself more. At the end of the day, it just makes so much more sense to trust God. In fact, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, let me pull it up here for you guys. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power, love, and self-discipline. So when the opposite of having faith is fear, when you have fear, there is distrust, there is indecision, there is instability. But when you have faith, you have power, love, and self-discipline. Some versions said a sound mind. Some says um, self, uh, self-control. Either way, you have a discipline. And that discipline, that power, that love can only be given to you by God. If you trust and have faith, not fear in what can happen, but have faith in who he is and what he says is true. And if you, um, if you doubt God, if you don't trust him... Uh, Hebrews eleven six actually says, "Now faith, now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who seek Him." So, if you don't have faith in God, as it says in James chapter one, when you ask God, you're not going to be rewarded because you're not actually seeking Him. You're kind of pulling back. You're pulling back. I mean, are you really believing that he even exists, that he's the God that everyone says he is, or are you just trying to trust yourself? But if you do seek him and you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him and you'll find so much more than that. You actually find what you have asked him for. Let's move on to verse 12 in James chapter one. It says, a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So, as we've talked about before, when you endure that trial, you are blessed. That is the blessing that you receive. And that blessing that you receive gives you life because you now not only have increased strength because of what you have endured, but now you also have increased wisdom. Trials bring you wisdom. Through that trial, you have an increase in your faith, but you also have an increase in wisdom, an increase in understanding and revelation of who God is and what he can do in your life. Verse 13 says, no one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. 
For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So what I didn't realize until I was studying this is that verse 13, 14, and 15 is basically a a compare and contrast between trial and temptation. So when you're undergoing a trial, that trial brings life through wisdom. It brings strength, a strengthening of your faith. But temptation does not do that. And that's how you'll be able to tell the difference between if you're going through a trial or if you're going through temptation. Because temptation does not come from God. God is not tempted by evil. That's not what he's going to use to strengthen you. What he's going to use to strengthen you is a trial to increase your faith, not something that's going to lead you away from him or something that's going to bring you death. And that's basically what it says is going to happen. Um, it says that things that, um, it says that then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin because then you act on that temptation, right? You do that thing that, let's say, okay, I like, I like a pie. Okay. Let's be honest. I love me some pie. My husband makes the best pumpkin pie. I don't care. Or sweet potato pie. I don't care what nobody got to say about that. He makes a bomb sweet potato pie. Right. And, um, so there was this point where I was working out and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get strong. You know, my body's going to look like this. And then he made the pie for the first time. And I could say that, you know, this is a trial. Let me, let me just, this is a trial. I'm going to increase my uh, resistance to baked goods by trying this uh, sweet potato pie. No, that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is there a tempta- is there's a temptation because after I take that pie, I am more likely to increase the amount of sweets and baked goods that I have as opposed to resisting in the first place and continuing on my walk to health. Well, let's say this is the same thing for sin, whether it's some type of sexual immorality, whether it's uh, drugs and alcohol, whether it's even lying, stealing, whatever the case may be. Just know that when you have these desires, if it is not leading you closer to God, it is not a trial. It It is a temptation because that sin, once it is fully grown, leads to death. That is death of your soul, maybe a death in the closeness of how you feel to God. It says in verse 16, don't be deceived, my dearly brothers and sisters. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights. With him, there is no turning. There's no variation or shadow cast by turning. You see, the desirable and good things come from God because God gives us our desires if we are truly walking with him. If you go to uh, Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. And the reason why he'll give you your heart's desire is not just because you like it, but because it, it aligns with his will. It aligns with his heart. And so the things that they are talking about in James chapter 1 that you should be desiring those are good things and those good things come from God and it also says that it comes from the father of light so basically Jesus Christ it says that he is the light of the world 
And when you have light, you are able to see clearer. You're able to see where you're walking. You're able to see what you should be doing. You are not going to stumble. You're not going to fall. And so God is not deceitful. When it talks about that, uh, there is no shadow cast by turning. You have a shadow where when there's light, but also where a shadow is, is, is dark. So that's somewhere where things can be hidden. That's where deceit can happen. But God, that's not going to happen because he doesn't change. He doesn't turn. His truth will, will prevail. It said, the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the light that he gives you is, a, is not something that is going to shift. His truth stands. And it is what it is forever. Let's go on to verse 19. It says, My dearly bro- loved brothers, Understand this, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save you. So, we need to be quick to hear, because at the end of the day, it's not always about being right, but it is about hearing somebody else's perspective We also want to know that when we are quick to hear, that's going to lead us to be slow to speak because we really want to think about what our responses are. And then afterwards, we want to be slow to anger because it does not bring the righteousness of God. When we talk about people who react in anger, when you react in anger, you're doing that in order to hurt somebody. You want to hit back. You're going to act hastily. You're going to make ill-conceived plans you're going to speak harsh words which is why it's important to be slow to speak and when you know that once you speak harsh words you can't take that back it's just it's done what you said is what you said proverbs 19 11 that's a verse i was um teaching my son a couple of uh weeks ago proverbs 19 11 says a person's insight gives him patience And his virtue is to overlook an offense. Let me read it. And that was in the HCSE. Let me read a different version for you. And I love having multiple different types of Bible because it just gives you a different perspective on how to, I guess, translate what it is that it's trying to say. Proverbs 19.11 in the NLT says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect overlooking wrongs. So basically, when you're a sensible person, you have insight, and that insight gives you patience because you learn to control your temper. And when people see you, they see the virtue you have to overlook an offense that earns you respect. And why does that earn you respect? Well, because they know that you're not a hothead, that you're not running around here just blowing up on people. Who wants to be around somebody like that? Nobody. You don't trust them, right? But when you see somebody who's calm, who's able to take a situation where any other person would have blown up and like lost it, and they look at you and they see that you've reacted a different way, they're going to go out of their way to actually come and seek out your advice to come see what's so different about you. What, like what's going on there? Like, why is it that you didn't react like the people in the world tell me to react? And that's when they will find Jesus Christ in you because the ability to do that only comes from the father of lights right the one who who gives the good and perfect gift 
And that gift in this case is patience. That's one of the fruit of the spirits, I believe, in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. It also says in verse 21, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save you. So it's able to save you because, like I said, you're not acting hastily. You're using wisdom, which God gives freely, which you have asked for through faith. And he has given to you because you actually believe that he can do it, right? And that is what's going to save your soul. And that's also going to save you from being in situations where if you act hastily out of anger, maybe you got arrested. Or, you know, maybe if you're in school, you got kicked out of school because you got into a fight. Or maybe you've ruined a relationship with like your sibling or your parents or even a really good friend or your spouse. But if you are sensible and you use wisdom, you are slow to speak, you are quick to listen, and you are slow to anger, you are able to save your soul. Verse 22 continues to say, But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So when you are not just a hearer, but you are a doer of the word, that means you don't only talk the talk, but you walk the walk. You put your money where, the, where your mouth is. If... This is why the Bible says, and actually James chapter 2, it says, faith without works is dead. And the reason why it's dead is because the same illustration with the chair. I can build a chair and say that that chair works and it's great. But if I never actually go sit in my chair, am I really having, putting faith in what I've done or what I'm saying about that chair? No, I'm, I'm not. If I say that I have faith in Jesus Christ and he tells me to get up and leave one state to go off to another, just, just go, this is where you need to go. Just go. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, God's going to give me a sign. He's going to tell me, you know, when to go. The sign is he told you what to do and you need to do it. Your faith is the actions you put behind what God has said he's going to do. Let's go specifically James chapter 2. I know this is for another time, but it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. So if God tells you that you need to control your temper, you need to have faith that what he says is true. Yes, I need to control my temper and by that I will be blessed. If God tells you that you need to stop being lazy, you need to learn self-discipline and put yourself on a schedule in order to have uh, to have a, a better sense of time for your day and to accomplish what you need to do. You need to have faith in what he says and do that. If God says you need to give to that homeless person on the corner and you need to have faith that whatever he does in the money does not cons- the money does not concern you, but that he will take care of it, then you need to have faith and do that. Let's go on to verse 25, 25 in chapter 1. 
says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works. This person will be blessed in what he does. And if you do, so basically, if you do, if you do practice your faith, you are blessed because you are free. You're not living chained in fear, which is the opposite of faith. But you are also free of being or feeling like an imposter. You have integrity because it's not just what you're saying out in public or even what you're saying just among your family and friends. But it is also how you act when you're by yourself in private. That is integrity. And let's go on to the last part. Verse 26, it says, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unsustained by the world. So says religion that is pure and undefiled is basically demonstrating what Jesus says is one of the greatest commandments, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're going to look after orphans, widows, and their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. If you are practicing religion as many people in the world know religion to, to be, then that religion is useless and you are deceiving yourself because you are not acting in a godly way by not controlling your tongue. The Bible says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So the words that you speak basically create, they mold, they bring to manifestation what you speak out loud. And not only that, but if you choose to live in a way where you're not controlling your tongue, you're doing the opposite of what God is telling you. Because not only are you disrespecting your yourself you're disrespecting your neighbors who you're supposed to love as yourself but you're also disrespecting God what kind of representation is that if who you are showing yourself to be is one who tears down other people is one who defiles others with their words is one who causes people to feel abandoned or lonely that is not who God is that is not who God has called us to be God calls us to be pure and undefiled but we can only do that if we stay within the Father. John chapter 15, I believe it says, 15 or 16, Jesus talks about how he is the vine and we are the branches. We can do nothing apart from him. Stay connected to God. Stay, stay connected to Jesus. And what you will accomplish through him and with him is the exact religion that he came on this earth to show people is available to them that is available to everybody the bible says in john three sixteen, for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life so you yourself who you are how you act how you speak the faith that you display all of this is a reflection of who god is and what he came on this earth to accomplish and the purpose that he placed you on this earth to do which is to bring him glory and when you bring him glory you're pointing others to Jesus Christ and those people will come and want to hear what he has to say as well they're going to want to live and walk the way he walks right because they see that you're not just talking the talk you're walking the walk and then they're going to see that 
the walk that you're walking is the walk that Jesus was walking himself. And they want to do that too. Because who wants to live enslaved in fear? Nobody wants that. People want to live free. They want to have faith that there is a God and that God does what he says he's going to do. And that God loves the way that he says he he loves us and that he demonstrates that not only through his son, Jesus Christ, but that his followers, the Christians, his disciples also are able to show that to other people to show that you don't have to keep living the way that you're living. You don't have to keep experiencing and feeling what you are, but there is a different way. And that way, that truth and that life comes through Jesus Christ. All you have to do is have faith. Have faith in the work that he already did 2,000 years ago and have faith that he can do it in you today. And if you have that faith and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, I ask that you stop whatever you're doing, whether you're washing the dishes, eating some crackers, or you're watching some TV or drive. Well, if you're driving, keep driving. Just keep your eyes open, please. But just pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the work that he did on the cross. And I thank you that he died for my sins. Lord, I have faith in you. I have faith in what you've done. And I ask that you forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. I ask that you cleanse me, O God. Purify me, Lord. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I receive your Holy Spirit. Do your work in me, Lord. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed this prayer, I praise God because this is the beginning of your journey. And I encourage you, if you don't have a church, you get plugged into one. There are many that you can explore on YouTube or even a local church. Maybe they have like a, a, a website, a church website where you can watch sermons. Get connected to other believers, whether it's a group you join on Facebook or even a, that one friend that you know is a Christian and that you get yourself a Bible. You can find them at Walmart. You can find them on Amazon. You can pretty much get them anywhere. And if you would like for me to send you one, you can email me. If you have any questions or you'd like me to pray for me, pray for you, you can email me. And that email is theway.20, the word, 20, the number, at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-W-A-Y dot T-W-E-N-T-Y 20 at gmail.com. I thank you so much for listening today. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that you have inspired man to give us your words so that we can look back and gain wisdom and understanding of who you are. I thank you, God, because you are good. I thank you, God, because you are so readily available to us as long as we seek you with our whole heart. Lord, bless every single person who is listening. Touch their hearts, O oh God. Fill them up with your Holy Spirit, O oh God, and do a good work in them. Continue your work, O oh Lord. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for once again tuning into The Way. I hope you have a blessed and wonderful week. I love you. And God bless.